Good morning, Senior Pastor. Uh, Good here morning, we are Pastor. again, another Sunday. Um, and we're going to be looking at uh, the, the divided kingdom, um, a united kingdom divided. And I kind of like the way that's put, a united kingdom divided. Um, and we're going to be breaking it up into three sections, as we always do, uh, we're going to be looking at um, evil counsel that divides the kingdom, and we'll find that in 1 Kings 12, verse 1 through 20. We're also going to be looking at divided loyalties found in 2 Kings 21, verse 1 through 17, um, 22, verses 1 through 20, and 23 verses 3 through 5 and verse 25. And then finally, we're going to look at the downfall of Israel and Judah. Um, and we'll find that in 2 Kings 17 verses 1 through 25. And 2 Chronicles 36 verse 11 through 21. We're going to consider the destructive results of heeding evil counsel and seek the Lord in our decision-making. And I think that is such an important focus yeah. uh, that we need to have, is that in, in our decision-making process, now, of course, we are not kings, but in our decision-making process, we need to consider the destructive results of heeding evil counsel. In other words, we need to be careful of who is giving us counsel, who is, you know, who is um, counseling us, who is instructing us, who are we listening to, those things are vitally important, especially when it comes to making certain decisions in our lives. Now, Psalm 1 verse 1 says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Um, and so we're going to be looking at various issues uh, through this lesson, and hopefully we can glean some practical life lessons from them. Um, and you know, at the end, we'll be able to say, okay, yeah, we got it. Um, so when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam ascended to the throne. Now, as with any transition of power, the coronation of Rehoboam provoked great anxiety among the people of Israel. Solomon had succeeded in expanding the power of David's throne, his father, but it came at great expense to the people. And this is what we're talking about, you know, decision-making, those that are in leadership, whether it be, you know, for a kingdom, for a country, even for your own house, uh, it's very important that you make the right decisions. Because what happens is that it affects generations. Now, generations before, the prophet Samuel had warned the people that a monarchy would result in the oppression of the people. And we remember that. Samuel had warned the people, you know, yes. give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. Um, Solomon's reign was described as grievous service and a heavy yoke. Yo. And we'll find that in 1 Kings 12, verse 4. With the transition to the reign of Rehoboam, the people hoped for relief. But the temptation of power would prove too great for Rehoboam to resist. He would prove to be a toxic leader. And his reign would be a disaster for the United Kingdom he inherited from his father and grandfather. So it was very, um, it was treacherous. It, it caused the people, um, especially with their relationship to God, uh, it literally severed their relationship to God. And we're going to be getting into that. We're going to be seeing that, especially uh, with the leadership that is here. Um, and this is just a reminder to all of us that we have to be careful who we follow, we have to be careful who we listen to, 
Um, but if we are leaders, we have to be careful how we lead. Uh, power is a very dangerous thing in the hands of wrong people. And uh, unfortunately, these kings, as we move on, we're going to see that the power that they had to make a difference and to listen to God, um, they abused that power. And unfortunately, uh, people, uh, people lost their lives because of it. Um, anyhow, uh, so we're going to be looking at evil counsel um, that divided the kingdom. Senior Pastor. Yes, and Pastor O, um, before we go on, I think we need to bring the focus clearly to the eyes and the ears of these who are listening. It says, consider the destructive results of eating, eating evil counsel and seek the Lord in our decision-making. Consider the destructive results of eating evil counsel. Because somebody who is evil us can only give you evil us advice. Somebody who is righteous will give you righteous advice. And that's why you have to be careful. Sister McFarlane used to say, show me your company and I'll tell you who you are. Be careful of who is advising you. And then Seek the Lord in our decision-making, and that is in every aspect of our life. We said that a few weeks ago. If you're purchasing a house, seek the Lord. If you're going to get married, seek the Lord. You're going to buy a car, seek the Lord. You're going to go to a school, you know, that you want to go in for higher learning. Seek the Lord. You're going to look a job. Make sure that this is the place that God wants you to work. Now, it doesn't mean that all the time that if he sends you there, it's going to work out good. He might send you there for a reason so you get some experience of what people are and who people are and what to expect in life and things like that. But it's very important that we seek the Lord in our decision-making also. And that also jumped out at me, Pastor, or United Kingdom divided. Because God's will is for unity to prevail. And um, we have always made the use the saying, united we stand, divided we fall. And that is true in the church, in society, in government, in countries especially in the church, is more important than any other place. Jesus prayed for the unity of the church in St. John chapter 17. You might want to take a look at that when you have um, a moment. Um, but here we go. What was happening here is that Solomon had turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God, um, as his father David was. So the Lord was very hungry, very hungry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, God of Israel. Although Solomon had clear instruction from God not to marry women from foreign nations, he chose to disregard God's commands. He married not one, but many foreign women. And what they did, they led him away from God and um, to idol. I want you to know that God knows our strength and our weakness. And what we find in this lesson is that when Solomon failed to maintain faithfulness to God, or Yahweh, because he had divided loyalties, you know, had to pay attention to that, had to pay attention to that, didn't listen to God, got wrong advice. God would judge his unfaithfulness by raising up adversaries and dividing his kingdom. Now, what was a great threat to the United Kingdom of the 12 tribes? It came from toxic, toxic, bad leaders who gave 
um, bad advice and he tried to rule with an iron fist. That's what some of these kings did. Um, now, we, last week we talked about Solomon as the builder king, but he didn't obey the Lord. And um, another rebel leader was Jeroboam, son of Nebat. And he came and was serving under that time. But the story behind his rebellion was when Solomon was rebuilding the supporting territories and repairing the walls of the city of his father David. He saw Jeroboam as one of the servants, very capable young man, very, very, very capable young man, um, valiant warrior, an industrious young man, and who wouldn't want anybody like that? But um, when he saw that, and as the thing that was done, the little snip, that was done before that um, one day as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Hadijah met him along the way. And Hadijah was wearing a new cloak. They were alone in the field. And Hadijah took all of the new cloth he was wearing, tore it into 12 pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten of these pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon, and I will give ten of the tribes to you. But I will not leave him. I will leave him a tribe. And when Solomon heard about this, he tried to kill Jeroboam. But Jeroboam fled to King Shishak of Egypt and stayed there until Solomon died. Now, when Rehoboam, Solomon's son, became the next king and came to rule that they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Verse 3 and 4, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now, therefore, Make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us lighter, and we will serve thee. In other words, what was happening here is that the children were just like the children of Israel down in Egypt, what to mix the martyr. Their task was great. And when, when Jeroboam, Jeroboam came and spake unto him, he said, if thou wilt be a servant unto this people, verse 7, and will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them that they will be thy servants forever. Verse 8, but he forsook the counsel of the old men which he had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him which stood before him. And he said unto them, what counsel give ye that we may answer this people? Um, and he had spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us, that thou shalt say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins, and so on. So what was happening here is that... Um, he had two counselors, one from those who were experienced, the elders who had been through many stripes, who had seen many things, and he stuck to the people that he grew up with, different generation, as we are seeing in our time. And it is saying to us today that we must not forsake the counsel of our elders. When your mother, your father speak to you, it's because they have been through certain situation and they know it's not good for you. So there were two requirements here. 
that we need to pay attention to those of us who are leaders. Serve the people. Listen to good advice, especially from our seniors. Serve the people. We are servant pastors. Oh, I've always said that. We are servants of the people. God didn't call us to be lords and, you know, um, wave big stick over people's head, but um, he called us to serve, and we must serve. We are servants of God, serving people, and we must listen to advice of the elders. Not all advice that comes to you will be good. Those with, with experience who have been there, they will advise you, well, you know, um, things and times I know have changed, but um, we need to pay attention. Then, because of this, it brought division among the tribes of Israel. Verse 13, And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made you yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Israel rebelled against the house of David until this day. Until this day, we still have rebellion in, in Israel. They are still splintered group, and that's what is happening down there now. They are fighting against each other, fighting for land, fighting for oil fighting as to who should do what, you know. Um, God never intended it to be so. Um, so they had a lot of tactic leaders around. We have to be careful who we surround ourselves with. Not everybody that gives you advice you can take. And um, let me pause here to say, and I'm pretty sure, all the ministers and pastor all will back me up on this. Whatever you're going to say must fit into the vision that the Lord has given to the leadership. If it doesn't fit into the vision of the leadership, then it cannot be used because it's going to cause problem. It's going to cause strife and division. All right? But the Lord wants us. And he had warned them that if you depart from what I say, that you're going to have problems. And today, he allows humans to choose between good and evil. But when humans choose evil, God will allow the toxins of evil to intoxicate the people, to destroy the land, and to judge the nation. So the, the toxic seed that was planted by Solomon bore fruit in the reign of his son. And because of this, Rehoboam abstinence almost led to civil war among the people of God. And only the in, in, intervention of God could save the people. So let's be careful in our time. We see what's happening right now in our country. Let's be careful. Everybody is fighting to who can do this and who can do that. As a church, let us follow God. Let's follow God. Let's do what he tells us to do, and everything will work out all right. Now, what do we find in toxic leaders? Toxic leadership is defined as individual with destructive behaviors and dysfunctional personal qualities that generate enduring poisonous effect in those whom they lead. Toxic leaders deliberately harm others or enhance themselves at others' expense. Toxic leaders cause serious harm by careless or reckless behavior as well as by their incompetence. Toxic leaders destroy the very movement they seek to lead. The kings of Judah and Israel, due to their intentional disobedience to God or their utter lack of competence, would lead the people of God down a path of destruction. Let's make sure that we can follow God 
And it was Paul who said to them, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm seeking to do that which is right. I'm seeking to obey God. I'm seeking to put in place what the Lord give me. So follow me as I follow Christ. And the only time you are allowed not to do so is if you see that we are going away from God. If we are going away from God, don't follow us. If it's going to lead into a path of destruction, don't follow us. But as long as we follow Christ and we're doing the words of the Lord and we're telling you what the Lord tells us to do, you have a right to follow us as we follow Christ. All right, so we must not have divided loyalties. Pastor Ho, can you take it from there? And that is so true. Um, We cannot have divided loyalties. Even when we are serving, you know, when we're serving God, um, no man can serve two masters, uh, is what we are told. Um, the Bible tells Amen. us that no man can serve two masters. Um, and that's why uh, I was thinking actually about Paul when he was talking about um, marriage even. He said, I would rather that, you know, that everyone remain single, basically, because we could spend more time uh, doing the work of the Lord. But um, because of the the flesh, he said, uh, then it's better for someone to to be married. But in marriage, you find that there is a split. You have to give God time, but then you also have to give your spouse and your children time as well. Um, So finding that balance uh, as a Christian has always been one of the most difficult things to do. But here we're talking about an actual kingdom where the kings were so, um, so eager for power. They were greedy for power that it caused the kingdom to divide itself. Solomon, because he did not listen to God, um, ended up causing a division um, in, in, the, in the kingdom of God. Um, and after the death of Solomon, we find that the divided kingdoms of Judah and Israel were ruled by a succession of kings. Um, from Jeroboam to Hosea, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel was ruled by 19 kings who did evil in the sight of the Lord. 19 kings who did evil in the sight of the Lord a series of leadership for, what, 200 and so years, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, basically, the, the, the people were doomed from the beginning, especially those, the new generation that was coming up. They were doomed because of the lack of godly leadership. And we find that even in our society today, due to a lack of godly leadership, we find generations are suffering. Generations are suffering because of the lack of godly leadership. Um, that's, that's so sad. Um, the, the Davidic dynasty continued to rule the southern kingdom of Judah with a succession of 19 kings and one queen from Rehoboam to Zedekiah. With just yeah. a few Notable exceptions. Those who ruled over the children of Abraham utterly failed to demonstrate faithfulness to Yahweh. Wow. Here we will consider two kings, and we're going to be looking at them, Manasseh and Josiah, um, two different kings with different ideologies and uh, different allegiances and, and different loyalties to God. Um, and we find it that Manasseh was the son of King Hezekiah, a king who ruled in faithfulness to Yahweh. And we'll find that in Second Kings 21, verse 1 through 17. Now, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and reigned um, 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hephzibah, Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord 
after the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Beside his sin, wherewith he made Judah to sin, in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, I'm going to veer mm. off a little bit. Uh, I, I, there was this quick, um, I guess you would call it a, a, a gleam, a, a quick summary of, of Manasseh's life. Now, Manasseh made it his mission to undo the good reforms instituted by his father and to do a great deal of evil. Hezekiah, which is his father, had destroyed shrines of pagan worship throughout the land. Manasseh rebuilt them, adding also shrines to Baal and Asherah. He desecrated the Lord's temple by putting (laughs) altars for idol worship in it. He sacrificed his own sons, burning them to death in worship of the idol Molech. Manasseh murdered so many people that the historian, a historian wrote that he filled Jerusalem from one end to the other with innocent blood. The Lord sent prophets to warn of the disaster that would come yeah, yeah. because the people followed Manasseh in his great sins. Judah would be destroyed by their enemies. But king and people continued to ignore the warnings. Now, late in Manasseh's 55-year reign, Assyria attacked Jerusalem, captured Manasseh, and placed him in a prison a thousand miles away. Humiliated and powerless, he sat in his cell and remembered his father's days. And this kind of reminds me of the scripture that says, Raise up a child in the way he should go, that when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Manasseh here, being humiliated and powerless, remembered the days of his father. He began to pray, confessing his sin and asking the Lord's help. The Lord heard Manasseh's prayer, freed him, and returned him to his throne in Jerusalem. No doubt, there was a fascinating detail of how this happened, um, but we're not quite sure as to exactly how this took place. This was no foxhole conversion. Back in power, Manasseh was a new man. He destroyed all the idol shrines he had built, removed his desecrations from the Lord's temple, and restored the temple worship. So he was changed. He was converted. Um, after, you know, God isolated him, basically, allowed, you know, allowed him to be captured and sent away a thousand miles uh, away. And he was captured and in, in, in his humiliation. And as he was powerless, he realized the, wrong, the wrongs that he had done. And he confessed his sins before the Lord. And God restored him. Now, Manasseh's conversion came too late to have yeah. any lasting impact on his kingdom. When Judah fell, the Lord blamed it on the sins of Manasseh. And, and you know, when you read this, it's such a sad story. Even though there was a, a story of redemption for Manasseh, think of the countless people that were, were killed, yeah. the shedding of blood, the, amount, the generations that were affected by his leadership. So we have to be very, 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 very careful who we follow and how we lead. Um, if we don't have the capacity to, to lead in a godly way, we need to find someone to help us, someone that can mentor us in the, in the way we should go. Um, that's why it's important as parents to train up our children um, in the way of the Lord. Because, you know, if they reach to a place of authority, if they reach to a place where they have significant power, we want to make sure that we have instilled in them 
the right things, the godly things, that we have shown them the right way so that they have a point of reference to go back to. Manasseh had a point of reference, even though it was too late, but he had a point of reference. He went back to the days of his, his father, Hezekiah, because Hezekiah was found faithful. And so we ought to also be found faithful in the eyes of the Lord. Anyway, I've, I've, I've done much on Manasseh. Let's go to Josiah. Josiah was a different kind of king. And we will find that in 2 Kings 22, verses 1 through 20. Um, 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 4 through 5. Um, verse 1 of chapter 22 says, Josiah was eight years old. I want you guys to think about that. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Think about when you were eight years old. What did you know? I mean, for me, I mean, I, I, I knew certain things, but I didn't know everything. Not enough to, to, to be a king. But he started his reign at age eight. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah the daughter of Adiah, of Boscoth. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Big difference. Um, Big difference from Manasseh. And walked in all the way of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Uh, Verse 13 says, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people, and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found, and we'll, found, we'll find out um, what this book was. Uh, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. Now, with the death of Manasseh, um, Amon ascended to the throne. Like his father, Amon did evil in the sight of the Lord. We, yeah. we talked about this a few weeks ago, talk, talking about generational curses. Um, this, is, this shows you. Um, Ammon or Amon inhabited the ways of his father. After only two years as king, Amon was assassinated by members of his own government. So his son, Josiah, ascended to the throne at eight years old. Josiah reigned for 31 years, as, as, as we said, and would be the last righteous king to reign over Judah. At the age of 16, Josiah began to seek after the God of David, his father. He rejected the idolatry of his father and grandfather during the 12th year of his reign. At 20 years old, Josiah began to exercise power in his own mm-hmm. right and established a religious Reform at age 20. Yes. Right? He established a religious reform, uh, a, a religious reformation throughout the land. The reformation is described as a purge, and we'll find that in Second, uh, second Kings 22, verse 3, I believe, in which vessels um, that were made for Baal, right, a god, and uh, for Asherah, another god, and for all the hosts of heaven, were removed from the temple, burned, and their ashes carried away. Then the idolatrous priests were executed. When I say he, he I mean, he, he swept through the land with great religious reformation. During the 18th year of his reign, Josiah turned his attention to restoring the temple at Jerusalem, which was in ruins because of decades of abuse, the covenant had been forgotten, the worship rituals abandoned, and the book of the law lost. Now, during the, re- the, during the renovations, because they were doing some renovations to the temple, during the renovations, the workers discovered the book of the law in the house of the Lord. <laughs> no one alive had ever heard the law until Josiah <laughs> ordered it to be read to all the people. And I can just, I mean, think about it. You have a Bible in your house. You never opened it. You never read it to your children. You, you never read, read with your spouse. It just stayed there collecting dust. In fact, it might have gotten lost and you don't even know where it is. This is, in essence, what was happening 
right, to this kingdom under Josiah's rule, right? No one alive had ever heard the law until Josiah ordered it to be read to all the people. When Josiah heard the words of the law being read, he tore his clothes, a sign of deep lament and repentance. He discerned that the nation suffered under the wrath of God because the book of the law had been abandoned and lost. In fact, none of the priests or scribes understood. And aren't we seeing that in our society today, senior pastor, that we have people that read the Bible that, and, and don't understand it, yet they have people that, um, that are following them. They, yes. they don't rightly divide the word of truth. They don't, they don't teach the Bible in its entirety. They teach it in bits and pieces. And, you know, Hosea 4 verse, verse 6 says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. And this is what we're seeing, especially among our young people. Uh, they don't want to read the Bible anymore. Uh, we have so many different types of in- interpretations and translations, and they still don't pick up the Bible to read. Um, now, Josiah discerned that the nation suffered under the wrath of God because the book of the law had been abandoned and lost. Josiah ordered that someone be found who could explain the meaning of the law. And they found this prophetess called Huldah to proclaim the word of the Lord. And if you ever get a, an opportunity to read about Huldah, uh, it's, it's great reading. She was a great woman of God, but she was so humble. Take some time to read about her. Um, um, so in Second Kings 22, verses 16 through 17, it says... Behold, I bring evil on this place and on its inhabitants. This was Huldah talking, because they have forsaken me. Therefore, my wrath burns against this place, and it shall not be quenched. And let me hurry on. Second uh, Kings 23, verse 3 and 25 says, And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul, to uh, perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and all the people stood to the covenant. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. Even as Huldah prophesied of the impending destruction of the nation, she declared that, because of Josiah's faithfulness, the destruction of Jerusalem would not occur during his lifetime because of his faithfulness. Things can turn around in your life if you but be faithful to God. Amen. After the book of the law was discovered and read publicly, Josiah made a covenant to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. That was their way of affirming the covenant. Everybody stood up when he made the proclamation, when he made the covenant with God. Everybody stood up for the covenant. Now, Josiah was killed in battle against the Egyptian army. Um, The ultimate demise of the kingdom of Judah came within 25 years after his death. Now, I wonder if you know, the demise of the kingdom would have come any sooner if Josiah had not turned uh, the nation back to God. Um, so there, there is some lessons here uh, that we can learn that we can turn things around, but we have to turn things around and turn it to God. Um, and once we start uh, turning or, or, or turning our efforts to God and allowing him allow him to work in our lives, then things can turn around. Um, But we have to recognize who God is. We can't put down our Bible. We can't uh, lose uh, our Bible in our houses. (laughs) We need to pick up our Bible and read it, read it with our spouse, read it with our children so that we can understand his ways. Anyway, um, downfall of Israel and Judah, senior, senior pastor. 
Yes, and just to add to that, Pastor, that under Manasseh's leadership, the Holy Land became the defiled land. We need to pay attention to that. The Holy Land That's became right. the defiled land because darkness and light don't agree and evil and good don't agree. So the Holy Land became the defiled land. The Holy City of Jerusalem became a great harlot. And the Temple of God, or Yahweh, became the place of consorting Canaanites' God. In other words, they put the Canaanites' God made out of wood and stone and um, what have you in the Temple of God. Um, it's, it is said here, Pastor, that Manasseh's reign was violent. He shed innocent yes. blood very much. He executed political opponents and including including the prophets of God. That's what is happening and we see that's happening in our world today. We have always said nothing new under the sun. It is even said that Manasseh ordered the execution of the prophet Isaiah by cutting him in two. Sewing him in half, you know, killing. And um, the note to us here those of us who are listening and see what's happening, because some people know what's happening and they keep their mouth quiet, like some of our, our leaders, our televangelists and the big church leaders who succumb to certain things and keep their mouth shut and don't say anything. It says the sins of the king became the sins of the people. The sins of the king became the sins of the people, which we could read that in our spare time. There's so much in this, Pastor Ho, so much, so much in that. I hope that so people much. will find some time. We can't give it to you in the few minutes that we have with you. So learn to read, learn to understand what the Scripture is saying, because it was, it was not only speaking for that time, but it's also speaking to us. Now, here's another thing that we need to pay attention to as we close off um, this lesson, as we almost get to the end of this lesson. The downfall of Israel and Judah. Now, what caused this? When the children of Israel entered the land of Canaan, if you remember, and we said this, I think, last year or earlier this year, under the leadership of Joshua. Remember when Moses died and the Lord spoke to Joshua to lead these people to the promised land. God offered a blessing and a curse. God offered a blessing and a curse. Now, what was the blessing? God would bless them as long as they followed the law. Let me repeat that. God would bless them as long as they followed the law. But should they fail to live in obedience to God, he would expel them from the land. And I think that the great story of the people of Israel demonstrates that generation after generation failed to keep covenant with God. The people that were meant to be God's own possession and the kingdom of priests, and we said this two weeks ago, and also a holy nation, instead of sticking to what God said, instead of being in obedience, they embraced the gods and customs of the Canaanites, turned away from God to worship idols, turned away and stopped from obeying God. But God would keep his word. We told you a few weeks ago, he does not share his glory with anybody else. And he don't have to ask anybody any question. He don't have to go to Congress to ask any question. Whatever he says that we should do, we are expected to do that. If not, God's judgment will bring an end to the apostasy of Israel and Judah. And what happened here is that they, they were seized. The sins of Israel people caught up with them. 
God allow Assyria to defeat and disperse the people. They were led into captivity, swallowed up by mighty and evil Assyrian empire. What can we say of this today? Sin always brings discipline, and the consequence of that sin are sometimes irreversible. The sin sometimes is irreversible. So what happened? The Lord judged the people of Israel because they had copied, and listen, copied the evil custom of the surrounding nation. Remember we said last week that they wanted to be, that's why they got Saul, because they wanted to be like the other nation. And uh, we also told you that we can't be like anybody else. And it's time we get, I don't know if we are learning. I don't know if we are understanding. I don't know if we are getting it. We can't be like anybody else. We can't dress like them. We can't talk like them. We can't be like them. We can't go places that they go because we are special. We can't sing like them. Our songs must be different. Our shouting must be different. Our speech must be different from other people. Because somebody else said them save and them curse don't mean that you must curse. Because somebody else said them save and they behave badly don't mean that you must behave that way. God will destroy us. He expects us to be obedient to him. But oh my friend, sometimes following God is difficult. And I say that again. Sometimes following God is difficult and painful. But consider the alternative. You can live for God or die for yourself. Determine to be God's person and do what he says regardless of the cost. I like to repeat that. Determine, make it up in your mind to be God's person and do what he says regardless of the cost, regardless of what other people do, regardless of I'm going to call you, oh, you act like you holier than everybody else. You act like you're better than anybody else. No, 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 no. You're God's possession. And God expects you to do that. You know, God expects you to obey him. What we find in verse 22, that they were led astray and carried away because the children of Israel walk in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants the prophets. So Israel was carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. The kings of Israel failed to keep covenant with God, and the people followed the sins of their kings. Generation after generation, God sought to destroy them, but Moses interceded on their behalf. Throughout the life of the northern kingdom of Israel, there was no righteous king to intercede for the people. Instead of acting to maintain faithfulness with God, the king led the people down the path of destruction. Oh, but my friends, today, the language of judgment should terrify all of us. The Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. God reached the limit of divine long-suffering and grace. One day, grace is going to run out. One day, mercy is not going to plead anymore. Right now, he's pleading for us. Give them one more chance, Lord. I want them to come home and live and reign with us. So give them one more chance. But one day, is judgment. His mercy is going to run out and it will be time for judgment. The time for judgment had arrived. The Lord rejected all the seed of Israel. In other words, there was no future, no possibility of redemption for the ten tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel. God had torn Israel from the house of David. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So we can continue to do whatever we have to do and find excuses and continue to tell the lies and continue to do things that he doesn't want us to do without stopping to repent. Oh yes, his judgment will come. 
the people of Israel were carried away. And certainly, the writer of Hebrews had the fate of Israel in mind when he wrote in Hebrews 10, 26-31, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there remain no longer a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment. It is a terrible thing. Can I say it one more time? It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of God. God's patience and mercy are beyond our ability to understand. He will follow after us. He will pursue us until we either respond to him or by our own choice and hardness of heart. Make ourselves unreachable. He's trying to reach somebody this morning. He's speaking to somebody this morning. Break up your folly ground. Oh, so to even no more. Then God's judgment will be swift and it will be sure. The only safe course is to turn to God before our stubbornness put out, out of his reach. I don't want to be out of the reach of God. So will we heed to his voice this morning? Come away. Turn away. Leave Babylon and come. Oh, yes, come to Jesus. He's calling. He's tenderly calling today. After the Israelites were deported, foreigners from Assyria rule over them. We settled the land and help keep peace in the conquered territory. Because they sought power and guidance totally apart from God, his law and his word, heck us today in our ears. Turn away, my friend. Turn from our sinful way. Anything that is not to the glory of God, any way that you have, we need to turn to God. All right, Pastor. I feel like going on preaching and preaching. So can you take it away and close us off? What a wonderful lesson we have this morning. Don't be carried away. If you're in sin, you need to come out of sin and let the Lord save you this morning. Let the Lord deal with you this morning. Say yes to him. My soul, say yes. Don't be like the stubborn people of Judah. Don't be like them. Don't be like Israel. And Israel is still having problems up to today. And my friends, if we don't yield to God, we're going to have problems. Obey him in what he says in his word. His words are yea and nay. And I've talked about all the time, and I like to repeat it. It's good to repeat it. Sing them over again to me. Let's not be guilty of the sin of omission omitting what the Lord say we should do. Sins of commission, sins of omission. Let's yield to God today. His voice is speaking to you today. If there's a future for you, it's in the hands of the Lord. Remember I said again, and I repeat myself, we cannot go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth because there remain, oh, no more sacrifice for sin. God bless you today. Amen, amen. And um, it says here, finally, uh, God promised that after 70 years of Babylonian captivity, the people would return and Jerusalem would be restored. God's Lord. promises to Abraham, Moses, and David would indeed be fulfilled. The great story of God's redemption of the world continues uh, accepting Christ as Savior and Lord is the wisest decision Amen. Amen. we can make I'll say that again accepting Christ as Savior and Lord is the wisest decision we can make it is also the first step in a life of wise decision making as we continue to yield to his authority and counsel. And 
I think that's the message. It's yielding. Yes. Yielding meaning surrendering. Surrendering. Surrendering our lives. Surrendering our thoughts. Surrendering our ideas. Surrendering our ways to the Lord. Saying, Lord, I want your ways to be my ways. I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. Because then once we get into following God, then we can't go wrong. You know, we always sing this song, where he leads me, I will follow. And I'll go with him, with him all the way. That's what that song is encouraging us to do. Lord, where you lead me, I will follow. And once we're following him, we're on the right track. That's the whole idea is for us to follow him. Once we follow him, then we don't make mistakes. We don't live um, the wrong way. Because once we are following him, then we know that even if we're in a certain situation or predicament that we ourselves can't get out of, we know that he is with us because he has ordered our steps. He has ordained our purpose. The purpose that he has for our life has to be fulfilled. But once we're following him, it's not going to be easy all the time. And I think that's what happens is that we, we enter into a time of, of, of questioning God. and You know, there's a level of fear and we're not sure. But God, what about this? What about that? And we start, you know, we start questioning him and we start feeling, you know, as if we're not making the right decision. But if we just trust him beyond the okay. shadow of a doubt, then that thing that you're going through, that circumstance, that problem, that issue that you can't, that problem you can't solve, that issue that you can't figure out or that you can't get out of, he will make it all right. He will make it all right. Senior pastor, for those, if you can, pray for those that right now they may be questioning, you know, um, their purpose, they may not be kings. They may not raise to the level of, 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 of that status, of having great authority. Um, but even in their own personal life, they may be questioning the decisions that they are making. And um, if we can, just pray for them that God will intervene, that God will give them clarity uh, so that they can make the best decision and, and change their ways and change their thoughts and honor God through their obedience to him. Yeah, and, and Pastor, we need to remind them that you don't have to pray an everlasting long prayer. That's right. All you have to do is say, like the publican, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Or say, like the dying thief on the cross, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And as Hebrews 10, 22 to 23 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unservingly the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I want to pray for those this morning who are not saved. For those who have not really sent your faith deep in the Lord. For those who are wavering. For those who are not sure if what you have is right. For those who want to get closer to the Lord. For those who want to serve Him in sincerity. I want to pray for you this morning. Will you bow your heads everywhere, everybody? Oh, Lord, we thank you this morning for sending your Son, oh, God, to die for us, to take our place on the cross, remembering how much our sins cost. Help us 
to be better friends to you. Oh God, and we ask you to forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. We confess that we have not loved you well. We have not served you well. We confess that we need to do better. We confess, Lord, that we really need to give our hearts and our entire being to you. But we ask you today that you will remember us when you come into your kingdom. Let all that we are praise thee, O Lord, for how great you are. You are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtains of the heaven. You lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride upon the wings of the wind. The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. You place the world on its foundation. Say it would never be moved. You clothe the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary for the seas so they would never again cover the earth. You make springs pour water into the ravens so stream gushed down from the mountains. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow from the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. You made the moons to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to set. You send the darkness, and it becomes night, when all the forest animals prowl about. O oh Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom, you made them all. And you make us today, Lord. And so we are asking you, in your infinite mercy and wisdom, to have mercy upon us. Bless us, Lord. Draw us near with your love that gives life to our souls. And as we come to you today, we have, Lord, impacted others by your words. We have done what you commanded us to do. We have taught We have preached. We have sung praises. We have read your scriptures. What else can we do but to say to people, for God so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in you should not perish, but have everlasting life. We see so many going down destruction broad road, but Lord, we ask that you will draw them close to you today. We ask, Lord, that in their spirit today, they will know that there is a God, a God to be served, a God to be glorified. Hear us today and bless us, Lord, and bless everything that we do and everything that we say and everything that our eyes see will be turned to you. Help us to keep our eyes on you and not the pleasures of this world. Hear us today, young and old, great and small. We pray for everyone today. Hear us, Lord, and we ask you once again, as we are in the election season, to bless, let your presence be known. Oh God, that you are God and nobody else, and you put up kings and you pull down kings. Help us to recognize you. Oh God, and as we said on the money, in God we trust. We trust in you today. We trust you for those up in Texas. We trust thee for those, Lord, up in Melbourne. We trust thee for those in Belgrade and in Orlando and in Pahokee and those in West Palm Beach and those in Wellington.
those in Royal Palm and those in Lake Park and West Palm Beach and all the surrounding areas where your people come from. We trust you today. We mourn with those who mourn. We cry with those who cry. And we laugh with those who laugh. Hear us, Lord, and until you come to call us home, may we ever be ready, waiting for the Master. We thank thee today, and we said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within us. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.